last song I think we sang was uh, pretty much uh, spot on for, for a big part of what we're going to talk about today. And um, you may remember singing these words. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. I choose to praise, to glorify, to glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against me. And, and um, we're going to look at today, if you've got your Bible or your, or your phone right now, um, if you can actually look at Philippians uh, 3, uh, 10 to 21. Philippians 3, 10 to 21. It talks about striving for the goal. So as you're looking that up, we're going to uh, we're going to pray in a minute. So we'll just get that PowerPoint up as well, and we'll be ready to roll. Philippians three, ten to twenty-one. So we just want the top one here. Top slide. Good. And we can turn this one off. Thank you. All right, let's pray and let's get stuck in. Father God, we do thank you. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are the one true Almighty God, the creator of everything that we see around us and more. And we just come before you now. We pray that you will speak to us. You will speak to us directly. We thank you for drawing us here this morning. We realize that there is a reason that we're here right now. And that is for you to speak to us. We're all in different parts, all on different parts of the path that, that you want us to be on and yet you know us better than we know ourselves Father God please speak to us directly please challenge us please encourage us this morning in Jesus name Amen so Philippians 3 10 to 21 uh, we could put a title on this keep going forward we could put that title there but uh, if you've got it right there Philippians 3 10 to 21 my aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and to be like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this, that is, I've not already been perfected. But, and this is the thing, this is the thing today that we'd like to have a look at. I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also, also lay hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this instead. And again, this is something that I want to just pick out here. I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward 
the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Up to 17. Be imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and watch carefully those who are living this way, just as you have us as an example. Now conversely, in verse 18 here, what about who we don't look to? For many live about whom I have often told you, and now with tears I tell you that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What's their end? Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly. They exult in their shame and they think about earthly things. But our, and this is the whole reason that we're talking about what we're going to be talking about today. Our citizenship is in heaven and we also eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body by means of that power by which he is able to subject all things to himself. Just a few things out of that. We have here an encouragement to be single-minded as opposed to double-minded. Exactly right. And in many cases, it's sort of easier to be double-minded. That is, I'll do a bit of this and I'll do a bit of that and then on Sunday, it's almost easier to be double. Here we are encouraged to be single-minded, forgetting about the things which are behind. That sort of fits in, doesn't it, with being single-minded, not double, being, uh, forgetting about the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead with the goal in mind, striving for the goal of towards the prize of the upward call of God because our citizenship is in heaven. So... We've got, uh, we've got a, a couple of slides here. Um, that's the main passage that we're going to be thinking about. Thinking about those words that we sang as well, about in the lowest valley. Let's see if it sort of comes back um, during the actual, um, during the message as well today. So instead of stop looking and listening, which is what we're supposed to do, uh, I'm going to say here, don't stop but look and listen. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we go on here. Striving for the goal. To be able to strive for the goal and to be able to get to where we need to get to, we should, we should be staying on the path. Easy said, not necessarily easy done. But here we have a verse that allows... Oh, allows us to uh, think about this particular aspect. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Psalm 23. We do have a path and we need to, we need to make sure that it's the path of righteousness that we're walking along. Now, as we're talking about these things, I'd like you to regularly have a think about, hey, where am I on that path right now? Right now. The other thing that we uh, are encouraged to do is to look to the light. Now, Psalm 119, 
uh, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need it. We definitely need it in those lowest valleys, but also when we're sort of in the... We need that guidance, don't we? Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in John 8, 8, 12, and said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life and will never walk in darkness. The other thing we should be looking out for regularly is those things right there. Because there's no doubt that on our path, there's heaps of them. Every day, pretty much every minute of every day, there's traps and snares. Why? Psalm 140 says, The proud have hidden a trap for me. And cords, they have spread a net by the wayside. They have set snares for me. Psalm 141, 9. Keep me from the jaws of the trap which they have set for me and from the snares of those who do iniquity. The other thing is um, not taking advice. Now, there's, again, probably every day, there's going to be people that come along our path and they're going to say, hey, why don't you? Or just... And whether it's through social media or whether it's through face-to-face or whatever it is, there's, there's advice. Hey, just do this. Come with me. Let's go. Let's go now. Why, what, what are you waiting for? Let's do it. And, and Proverbs 4.14 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. This is what we should be doing, listening to and talking with the one who knows our future. Does he know our future? Psalm 139, 16, your eyes, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, so before we were even a a cell, that is. He saw our unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. So my days were pre-written. Your days were pre-written. When as yet there were none of them. God knows the future. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows every hair on our head. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. 1 Chronicles 16. We need to listen to and talk with the one who knows our future. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Thank you. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Now, I'm going to um, just throw that one up there and you think, what's that all about? When you feel trapped, use your key. Back in uh, a few weeks ago, we had Mark from uh, New Zealand. Was anyone here when he spoke? Just a show of hands. Um, can you remember what he spoke about? Perfect. Thank you. 
anxiety, doubt, fear, despair, stress, anxiety, everything, everything. Um, he talked to us about being pulled in two different directions because of stress, anxiety, fear, despair, those sort of things. And of course, different life circumstances, all those things can lead us to a place of discouragement. And we can be trapped. We can literally be trapped when we're discouraged to that point. We can literally be imprisoned. And this can actually paralyze our spiritual growth. We just talked about listening to and talking to the one who knows our future. And we know all that, but we can still be trapped and imprisoned by fear and anxiety and, and doubt and despair. And that reminds me of a, of a scene in Pilgrim's Progress. Who, know, who knows about Pilgrim's Progress? Quite a few. Uh, and this is where Christian stops. He's actually stuck. The Christian, the main guy in Pilgrim's Progress, is actually stuck. He's, he's totally despondent inside the dungeon of what's called Doubting Castle in the, in the story. And he's locked up in the dungeon by the giant of despair. And he and his friend, Hopeful, were deprived of food at that time for days, food and water actually, um, days, and then beaten severely and mocked by the giant of despair. And said, the giant just turns around and says, you might as well commit suicide because you, you, you're hopeless, you're useless. You're not going to get out of here. You're imprisoned. There was no way out. And Christian um, told Hopeful several times that he wanted to commit suicide at that time until he finally remembered that he had the key called promise in his chest pocket. And this is what he said. It's a little bit old English, but this is actually the modern English version, but that's okay. Still slightly old English. What a fool I've been to lie like this in a stinking dungeon when I could just as well have walked free. In my chest pocket, I have a key called promise that will, I'm thoroughly persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then Christian took the key out of his chest and began to try the lock of the dungeon door. And as he turned the key, the bolt unlocked. And the door flew open with ease so that Christian and his friend Hopeful immediately came out. In Pilgrim's Progress three times, uh, you, you read about Christian's chest pocket, the key in his chest pocket. And the key called promise, that's what the key is called, illustrates the truth of God's word that is hidden. So they talk about chest pocket, but God's word is actually should be hidden in our hearts. So pretty much the chest pocket right there. Hidden in our hearts, um, Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Quite right. This is uh, a little image of that, the key called promise, Pilgrim's Progress. When we feel trapped, use your key. That's, uh, that's an image of the book. Written roughly when? Any ideas? Eighteens, seventeens, sixteens, sixteen seventy-eight. Uh, it's a Christian allegory, so it's sort of uh, is like a physical story, but it, it's fully spiritual. Um, written by John Bunyan. 
this is actually an image of what one of the original books looks like. Um, it's been cited as the first novel written in English. It's been translated into more than 200 languages and it's never been out of print. For about 250 years, it was the second most popular book in the world. Bible is number one. So, is, let's just have a look at something here. Now, I'll get you to just write down all those references if you don't mind, but this is just the, um, old, I'll keep, don't worry, I'll keep it up for a minute. Um, this is the Old Testament uh, references for Pilgrim's Progress, and these are, oh, sorry, these are the New Testament, um, and, uh, and so I'm sure you've memorised all of those. So there's a few references in Pilgrim's Progress to the Bible. Okay, so it's got a lot of Bible references, but how is it relevant? Is it relevant to us here and and right now. This is something that um, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that's like travellers and pilgrims through this world. We're just sort of travelling through this world right now. And in fact, what Solomon says, our travel through this world is like what? Our life is like a vapour. Vapour. How quickly did 2018 go? It was a long time ago, wasn't it? 2018. Already 19 is just about gone. 18 just went like that. Just like a vapour, just coming out of, this, out of the kettle. And just 18, gone. 17, gone. 16, 15, gone. We're just sojourners and exiles and we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against our soul. We're going to see a couple of these things as we quickly look at a Christian allegory known as Pilgrim's Progress. Now, to be fair, it's not... This book is not inspired, every word is not inspired like the Bible is. The Bible is number one. This is not to be put next to it by any means. But having said that, what it does show us and remind us of is that we're on a path and, and we need to be aware of where we're on, how we're travelling on that path. There's a massive awareness. This is the main guy in the story, Christian here, and he's got something on his back. It looks a little bit weird, but that's okay. Um, in this story, well, not in this story, we, I don't know how often I hear this, pretty regularly, the word spiritual. And, the, you know, more and more we're hearing, oh, it's, it's, it's my spiritual, it's appealing to my spiritual self or this sort of thing we're seeing that more and more in media now that word is definitely coming up more regularly and the fact of the matter is we in fact our spiritual life is is the key to our existence 
our physical, what you see in the mirror and what we're doing around us is really just a manifestation of the real thing, our spiritual life. Would you agree with that? It's just just an outward appearance, really. And as we said, it's just a vapour anyway. I'll get you all to stand up if you don't mind. We're going to briefly look through this book and um, you're you're only standing up because I'm the physio. Okay, you can sit down. That's great. Thank you. So this guy here, Christian, has got a massive thing on his back. Um, you know, John Bunyan, he, he starts the thing off by saying, hey, I was, I was dreaming this and this is what I dreamt. And, and this guy was in the dream. And, he's, and he looked at the path of this guy, the spiritual path, the physical path. He looked at it and he wrote it down and there it was. So, so this guy here, Christian, lives in the city of destruction. And one day he just realises, he just realises, whoa, I've got a massive burden on my back. He'd had it all the time. But one day he realised, looked around, everyone else got this burden on. They don't realise they got it on. Must have just grown up with it or something, I don't know. But he realised, hey, I'm actually getting a lot of back pain here. uh, Because this thing, this is really heavy. He just sort of woke up and realised and um, so this enormous burden on his back wasn't actually his sin, but it's the shame and the guilt that came about as a result of his sin. All these people walking around with burdens on their back. But this guy was the one guy, as far as he knew, didn't know anyone else, who actually recognised it was there. Woke up and sort of realised. He... Uh, he comes across a guy called Evangelist who says, hey, Christian, you've got to leave. You've got to get out. This city of destruction, you've got, to, you've got to move out of this place. It's doing you no good. And by the way, it's going to be destroyed anyway. So Evangelist does something you can sort of see. What's he doing? He's pointing. That's pretty much all he does. Pretty much all evangelist does. He just points. He says, hey, can you see that light over there? Way over there? That's the light from the celestial city. Get on the path and go that way. Pretty much that's all he does right then and there. He points to the one and only way to finally rid of the heavy burden. He does something else though. He occasionally reappears to Christian when Christian's in a bitter strife. Gets into a few little issues, problems, tight spots, and evangelist is good enough to actually seek him out and just help him along. Now, Christian actually begs his family to come along. They say, no, rubbish. You're an idiot. So he, he has to move along alone. Comes across a guy called Obstinate. An obstinate... Uh, starts walking with him yes good idea good idea but then eventually refuses and and mocks him for doing for going down that path there's a nice guy called pliable he he uh, also walks along but when it starts getting a little bit the going gets a little bit tough 
pliables out of there. He's going, he goes back to city of destruction because um, too much, too difficult. Soon after, Christian finds himself like this. He's sinking into the, what they call the slough or the swamp of despond. He actually gets uh, discouraged and he gets stuck in the swamp of despond. Now, fortunately, an, a fellow pilgrim or traveller called Help comes along and actually gives him a hand, helps him out. Then he comes along and he meets this guy here, worldly wise man. He has the answers. This guy knows everything. He's, got, he's a smooth talker. He says, look, I've been there, I've done that, I know how to do this. Uh, he's a friendly guy, he's, he's concerned. Look, hey, I want to help you here. I'm, 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 I know religion, don't worry about that. Um, older, apparently wiser, logical, but he's deceptive. This worldly wise man actually doesn't want what's good for Christian, but he's going to give his advice, and, and, and apparently a number of the pilgrims actually took his advice and, and went way off the track as a result of that. First time Christian's been tempted to stray from this right path. As we're going through this stuff, these little examples, these little quick examples, summary examples, have a think about if there's anyone in your life that you've come across that sort of fits in with some of these little examples. Evangelists, has someone come to you and said, hey, that's the way to go? Someone helped you out of the swamp of despond? Have you come across this sort of a guy? As we go through, let's just think about our own life because we we need to do that. I need to do that. Anyway, what does this guy say? He said, who got you down this path? Oh, evangelist. Evangelist told me to go down this path. Who? Who? Evangelist, a guy called, oh yeah, I've heard of him. What, you actually believe him, do you? So he starts putting doubt into Christian's mind. Do you really believe what he's saying to you? Do you really believe that's true? That stuff about Jesus, do you really believe that? So the questions go in. Now fortunately Christian moved on from this guy and he went to where evangelists said he had to go to. And that was this thing. It's called the wicket. As in cricket wicket? I don't know. No cricket wickets there. But anyway, wicket gate. And it was the narrow gate. And evangelists said, look, you've got to actually enter through the narrow gate. Why do, why do you think that was important? There's only one way, and Jesus is, in fact, referred to as exactly that, the narrow gate. And it was through this that um, Jesus identified himself as the narrow gate, as I said. It was through this that the King's Highway actually starts. It's called the Straight and Narrow King's Highway. Once you get through this gate, you can go to there. And, and the Straight and Narrow Highway takes you to this place right here. And you'll notice that something happens when Christian gets to the cross. He feels unbelievable 
relief because that heavy burden has just literally dropped off his back. After that, he's greeted by a number of angels, three angels called the Shining Ones, and he's given a scroll. And the scroll is like a passport to the celestial city. He goes to the Hill of Difficulty. He meets a couple of other guys who try and get him off track. Um, Then he goes to the Palace Beautiful where he uh, is refreshed because that that palace was built by God to refresh pilgrims and godly travellers. Spends three days here and is clothed with the armour of God. Now, he needed this, the armour of God, because he was about to, the next day, come across Apollyon. Now, Apollyon hissed and shouted and screamed at him and attacked him physically, attacked him mentally, attacked him spiritually. After over half a day of battle with Apollyon, Christian manages to wound him with his two-edged sword. He had a two-edged sword, part of the armour, and he managed to wound him, and then Apollyon spread his dragon wings and sped away. Soon after that, he enters the valley of the shadow of death, and amongst all the gloom and terror and demons, he hears the words of the 23rd Psalm, Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And he leaves that valley. We, talked, we sang about the, one of the valleys, didn't we? Being able to glorify God and yet be in the valley. He leaves that and then, and then uh, picks up with a, a friend now, faithful. They go to a place called Vanity Fair. And Vanity Fair... Was, was in fact built by Beelzebub where everything appeals to people's tastes, desires and lusts. It's all there in Vanity Fair. Everything that you ever wanted is right there for your taking in Vanity Fair. The thing is that these two guys said, no, we're not going to have it. We're not going to go down the path that you guys are going down. So, what do they go? Chuck, right, you're in court. We, we arrest you because you don't agree with us. Because you don't agree with us, we don't like you. You're in court. So they go before the judge called Lord Hategood. Lord Hategood's up the front there and he says, you guys have got no idea. This is how we live our life. And if you don't like it, we're going to make sure that uh, you're going to be, uh, you're going you're to know about it. So there's three witnesses that testify. One's called envy against these two guys. One's called envy. One's called superstition. And one's called pick thank. And these guys testify lies against faithful and Christian. And faithful is taken out and burned at the stake. He's a martyr. At that stage, another guy came along and helped Christian along. His name was Hopeful. And he maintained through the rest of the trip some friendship. Now, Christian and Hopeful came across a mining hill called Luca. Its owner was named Demas. And Demas offered them all the silver of the mine, but Christian sees through that trickery and they avoid it. Now we get to the part where we talked about before. 
this part here. How did Christian get into that situation? Did he just appear in the dungeon, the giant despair's dungeon? Actually, what happened was they were walking along the straight and narrow King's Highway and there's a fence there. There's a little gate. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Next to the gate was a lovely, and by the way, this is a pretty rocky, narrow King's Highway we're on right now. Rocky and hard going. There's a little gate there. There's a track right on the other side of the gate. It was smooth, fully smooth. So you could just get on that track and it was totally parallel to the fence. So why are we walking on this rocky King's Highway here when we can actually get through that gate and walk on the nice, smooth, bypass meadow lane there? Quite, quite looks easy. So Christian says to Hopeful, hey, look, much better than this rocky thing. Let's get over there. Hopeful says, are you sure about this? We should be staying on the King's Highway. Should we? No, Christian said, look, it's all parallel to the fence. It's fine. So they move across into the bypass meadow. And not long after, it got dark. They lost their way. There was a, a flood due to severe rain. And, the, and they had to get into some sort of a shelter, a little cave. They spent the night there, slept there. Then the giant of despair came, pulled them up, chucked them in the dungeon. That's how they got... So the, the point about that is, it's our decisions. Our decisions can sometimes lead to us moving off the path that we read about in Philippians earlier on. To strive towards the goal. Get you to stand up again, please. Thank you. There's lots of things that happen thereafter. After they do get out, they use the key. They remember, I've got the key of promise. They got out of... There's lots of things that happen. There's angels that appear before them. There's shepherds that help them along, that warn them, hey, watch out for this, watch out for that. But they came up against the, a crossroad. Have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. They came up against a crossroad. And the crossroad was, so they're going along the King's Highway. It's straight. And then there's this little Y thing going on here. There's a crossroad. But the two roads are parallel. Which one do we take? Don't know. Fortunately, there was a guy there dressed in a white robe who said, hey, I know the way. Where are you going? We're going to the Stasial City. I know the way. Come with me. Nice white robe. Look good. Sounded good. Okay, we'll go with him. Before they knew it, they were a little bit further down this track that this white robe guy had taken them. They were in a net, a trap that they could not get out of. We read about a net and a trap earlier on when we looked at one of the verses talking about that. Fortunately, fortunately, one of the shining ones, one of the angels came along and helped them out of that and they got back onto the track and eventually they made their way through to... Uh, the King's Highway again. They met up with a guy called Atheist. He tells them, look, don't worry about it. For 20 years I've looked into religion and there is no such thing as God. There's no such thing as heaven. Forget about it. 
you're wasting your time. Go back and enjoy yourself. In fact, that's what I'm going to do right now. After speaking with him for a little while, they realise we're going to, uh, we're, we're out of here. And then atheist mocks them severely. You, you are total idiots for believing that absolute rubbish. I'm, I'm, going back to, I'm going back home and I'm going to enjoy myself. They came across a guy called Ignorance. Ignorance said, uh, where are you going? Celestial City. Yeah, I'm going there too. They said, uh, Christian and, and, um, and Hopeful said, oh, did you come through the narrow gate, did you? No. Why? They said, because we were told that there's only one way to get the celestial city, and that's through the narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ. He said, nope. Nope, there's lots of ways, and I happen to know this because um, there's lots of people who are doing the same thing as me. There's lots of ways to get to salvation. And uh, so don't worry about the narrow gate stuff because there's lots of people doing what I'm doing and that is we're going to be saved. And by the way, don't doubt me because I'm a good person. Don't doubt me. I haven't really done anything that bad. I wonder if we're sort of hearing a few sort of similar things going on right now to some of the things that we might have, some of the people we might have come across, some of the things we've heard as well. So how is it relevant? How is this story, because that's all it is, it's a Christian allegory, but is it relevant to us? Can it be a challenge to us? I believe it certainly can be a challenge. Because our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20, we did read that. Beloved, is that going to stay there? Let's just see if it will for us. If it's not, that's okay. It's not going to stay, but that's okay. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that is like travellers through this world and like pilgrims who actually don't belong to this world because that's what the Bible says. If we are a Christian, we don't belong to this world. We belong to a different world. We abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against our soul. Now we come to the difficult bit because this bit here is an image of the path that we're on right now. And it's the image of a straight path called the King's Highway and heaps of deviations, heaps of deviations hands up who's never strayed off the path that is set before us <laughs> I knew there's always one there's always one this is the difficult bit because if we're going to be honest with ourselves we'll have a look at something like this and we'll think hey we've done that We've actually taken advice from other people. We've gone off the path. We've seen that smooth and easy way when it was rocky and we thought, oh yeah, it looks pretty good. To spend a minute or two every morning just thinking about 
this reassessing. Morning's good. Morning's great because we're just, it's before everything gets busy and takes over. Just thinking about maybe even this image in your mind, hey, where am I right now on the path that is set before me? Again, I'm just going to quickly go over the first couple of slides. If we can. And we can't. It's an iOS lockup. And the first one was staying on the path. Deuteronomy 5, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Staying on the path that the Lord your God has commanded to follow. Look to the light. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Thank you. Yeah, got it now. Thank you, I think. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look out for traps and snares. These are practical things. Every day, keep our spiritual eyes open. We have to. Otherwise, when Christian was not looking that much, he fell into that swamp of despond. If he'd been looking, he would have gone on the path around it. These things happen where human beings... We're prone to this stuff. But the incredible thing is that the Almighty God, who is all-powerful, is on our side. And we can actually be speaking to him daily, looking for him, to him daily for guidance and direction. We need it because these things are just totally and fully in our way every day. Through the Holy Spirit guiding we need to listen to and talk with the one who knows our future that again is a daily thing looking to the Lord and his strength seek his face always watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak we are in some some human bodies that have frailties and weaknesses we need to look to the almighty powerful God every day don't take the advice from others who want to lead you off track do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men when you feel trapped, use your key. Because when we feel trapped, we can literally, that can stop our progress right there. Bang. I cannot move any further. You know what? There was about 12 days ago or something, there was a, a study um, that came out in the Journal of Current Biology. And you know the deer in the headlights response? When something happens like a shock to you, just freeze. Well, they've found out for the first time the reason for that is serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain, actually takes over and makes us stop when there's sudden shock. 
there's that freezing that occurs just for a second or so. Hopefully it's only a second. Um, when, when there's some sort of danger, uh, it can literally stop us in our tracks. But what we've got to be, make sure is that we don't, we recognise when we're stopping in our tracks spiritually for whatever reason, that we recognise it. Because we should be striving, as we read in Philippians 3, we should be striving for the goal that is set before us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We should recognise, hey, are we moving forward? Where are we on the path? These are a couple of pretty important questions. Use your key. The key called promise we talked about illustrates the truth of God's word that we can hide in our heart. For the word of God is living, the word of God is active, and the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing soul from spirit and joints for marrow. It is able to judge the desires and thoughts of the heart. What an incredible challenge we have before us to be able to walk on the king's highway. It's a challenge. It's a privilege. It's unbelievable, but it's not easy. I had to miss out heaps of examples of things. I just mentioned a few today for time. But the thing is that our path, your path, my path is not easy. But we've got the best guide that anyone could ever have. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult at times. Other times it's going to be great. But we have the best guide that anyone could have. What, should, what are we reminded to be in, in Philippians 3? Single-minded. Forgetting things that are behind. Because sometimes those things behind, oh, like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. What are you doing to us, Moses? We're not eating here. We're, we're struggling. We're struggling. We were way better off in Egypt. No, forget about things that are behind. Reaching out for the things that are ahead with one goal in mind, to strive towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because our citizenship is in heaven. What an unbelievable thing that is before us right now. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you. Again, we thank you and we praise you for who you are.